Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of January 2011. I always suggest newcomers should look into my websites, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and bookmark the other sites you see listed there. These are all the official sites, and if you have a problem downloading from the com site, try these alternate sites. Sometimes too many people go into the com at the same time, and that causes sticky downloads. And remember, all those sites you'll see there carry a lot of transcripts as well as the audios, a lot of transcripts in English. And if you want transcripts for prints up in other languages, look into Alan Watt Sentinel, sentinel.eu, which is listed on the com site as well. And take your pick from a bunch that's offered there. And remember, two, you're the audience that bring me to you. Uh, it's up to you to keep me going. So if you want to buy the books, the discs, or even donate, uh, you can certainly do so. And uh, you'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. From the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase books and discs with a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office or send cash or use PayPal. Uh, just use the donation button and send the appropriate amount and follow it by an email with your name, address and order and I'll get it out to you. Around the rest of the world, same idea, you've got to use Western Union or MoneyGram or PayPal. Basically, that's what you're left with there. Uh, you can still send cash from Europe, of course, at the moment. Uh, although everything is going up and down like a yo-yo as far as the financial exchange rates go. But um, you still send cash. And I see MoneyGram is a bit cheaper, I think, than Western Union. Uh, you can get a, a check from them. They'll post it. You can post it over. It'll take seven days. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, or you can use Western Union and do a direct wire transfer over. And it's, uh, again, go into the comm site and you'll find out how to, to do the Western Union, etc. And PayPal, again, just use the PayPal button and follow it with an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. On the show, as I said, I try, I try my best to, to avoid trivia because you, you understand that the media's job is not there to really educate you in all the things you should know. It's there to inform you and to the things that you want, they want you to be formed into, basically. And that's what happens with information. We emulate what we see. We think everything's fine. We're getting Hollywood galore, but we're getting no real news, you'll notice, coming out of the mainstream. And that's not uh, unintentional. That's the new technique that you're going to get used to. It's called global governance. And it came from corporate governance. I was looking up today to find out how this term that has been used for the last 10, 12 years or more from the United Nations, gradually filtering into your own governments and all their official records, etc., on their own websites. They talk about governance, governance, and it's really a form of world management we're under. And the whole idea is, why get the people upset about things that you, you want to do to change the world and make them all pay for it, of course? Uh, if you don't tell them about it, then they won't be upset, it's as simple as that. And so, therefore, you're into a new era where you're into information management 
and that's what's happening today. There's a, a, a death of news out there, really, uh, except for the trivia, and um, lots and lots of that, of course. And it's not that they don't have reporters in every country around the world. It's just they're all, they're all on board in the same agenda. Their bosses run the show, and they know what their bosses want, and their bosses all belong to the, the same global societies you have in the U.S., Canada, the Council on Foreign Relations. So get used to it. That's what's coming up now. So I, you have to really scout deep into the territories to, to find anything to make any sense as to what's going on in this new information withholding society. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix talking about really how the news is has always been there to uh, shape your mind, your, give you your opinions if you have any at all and to make sure that you have the ones that you're supposed to have and that's really what it's all about. And Even when I was young I used to wonder uh, when any program came on about anything from the government they'd have at least two experts on, one opposing the other and the idea was take your pick of which opinion you want to have. And people do. They, they just uh, absorb it by osmosis. And, um, and, and that becomes their opinion often for life. They just get fixed into that opinion. And they're reluctant to change their opinion down the road. It's, it's quite amazing. Even though they've never really rationally thought through the very topic uh, that supposedly helped to form their opinion at all, and they've never done any research themselves. That's how simple it is to be a human being, and that's how simple it is to be uh, conned and fooled and, and actually managed as a human being. And these are all sciences, of course, well understood in psychology and behaviorism and, and so on, which are all in use today on whole populations. There's not a, a single government in the world doesn't have uh, its, its public relations department uh, that works with the script writers to find ways of putting things across to the public, which take away all the, the things that might get you to worry about something or wonder about something. They take all the bad bits out, you might say, and leave all the nicey stuff in or very vague stuff in. It's generally what it is is very vague, and that's good enough for us. Yeah, right down to your, your local town council, you'll have your public relations officers and even police spokespersons. Uh, are again public relations officers too. So everything is kind of sifted through and filtered and then dressed up to be more palatable for you to digest. And that's how the news generally is run today. But we're, we're going through the greatest changes, as I've mentioned for years, that have happened uh, since the industrial era when they dumped all the, the foreign foodstuffs on the market in Britain, thanks to the Corn uh, Repeal Act, the Corn Laws, uh, it was put through by Rothschild, by the way, Lord Rothschild, and uh, all the farmers went out of business because most folk at that time lived on the land, and um, they wanted them all into these new cities they were building, they were throwing up, uh, so they could work the big factories for the industrial era, and that worked awfully well, so other countries emulated the same idea too. So we're managed along by big business and money, always, always. And since governments always, again, run on money, 
then it's obvious that those who lend the money have a big, big say in the direction that the governments are going to take. Nothing's happened. And even through the whole era where they pretended there was a democracy of some sort, uh, the big boys were having their committees and associations and clubs, etc., uh, and which became very, um, first they started very informally, uh, very quietly for sure, and then they became um, bigger, and then they had to uh, give themselves new names, which once again hid often what they were really up to. It's, they sounded altruistic in their, and philanthropic in their outlooks and, and the names that they gave themselves, but it was all to do with bringing in a particular world society, not based on the old-fashioned models of religion, for instance, that helped to give people some sort of culture. They always give you some kind of religion for a culture, but also uh, the whole idea of having rights had to go as well because Darwin was there and science was there and everything was changing. And therefore, the scientists and the elites and the educated classes should really run the world uh, and, and the people the way that they should be run scientifically instead of this um, this wishy-washy way where people really thought, which they did at one time, not so long ago actually, that uh, human life was kind of sacred. So we've really um, gone a long ways from there in a short period of time, and we're getting trained into the new society. It's been very effective with most people already. They're trained into it, and they don't even know it. And along with managing the world, of course, well, these same people who are intellectuals, coupled with the, the economic classes, the high economic classes, um, work out their mandates for the world. Of course, population comes up all the time, population control. And that's a big, big part of it because in their ideal society and all their forward-looking surveys that they do, uh, they decide how many people would be the ideal amount to work their future society and they don't want useless eaters. Many of them have said that, like Bertrand Russell, who worked on, in these societies and uh, took part in, in global think tanks, etc. Um, therefore, they had to find ways of reducing populations. Of course, science itself went to, uh, into play, into action, heavily funded, and out came, of course, the first birth control pill, and now they, they also have chemical, a form of chemical temporary castration for males, and also permanent ones as well. So birth control became a big, big part of it. But we've talked on this show about the global meetings I've had with the big high internationalists, and um, we've read from their own websites, from the United Nations and elsewhere, and also from the, what I call the Lucky Gene Club. They call it themselves the Lucky Gene Club, the big philanthropic groups which have their meetings with Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, all the people who become multi-billionaires suddenly uh, decide that they want to reduce the population. It's a born-again thing. And um, they've talked about the need now to rapidly depopulate. But it's been going on for quite a long time, and people really didn't realize it. Because after all, if you go back to this idea of governance and where the, the term comes from, it's got an old history, governance. And it's an idea, really, again, that's, that science would use science to govern the people, including psychology. So, therefore, if they, at the top, need to reduce the population, what's the point in saying, look, we have to reduce your population? Can we have volunteers, please? It obviously would not work. Obviously. So they had to find other ways, covert ways, of doing it, and always, you know, whistling in the wind when they were asked questions as to what was happening. Why were these things happening? Well, they just didn't. It would be a big mystery. They wouldn't know, you see. And yet in my lifetime alone, I've watched uh, things like autism skyrocket 
absolutely skyrocket from being very rare. Same with diabetes and other things too. Diabetes one. I mean, very, very rare things with a, a distinct MO. In other words, you, you understood when the onset would come on. It was generally a fairly typical age. And um, with autism, as it used to be, uh, you could always tell when a baby was born uh, in, in the first month or so if it was actually progressing along what they call milestones. Uh, and by the time they hit two, they're often saying words, like dada, mama, the usual kind of stuff. They're recognizing people, and they can make eye contact. And that was that, but with the autism, autism as it used to be, that it didn't happen that way from birth. The new autism, the standard autism now, happens after the MMR injections. Within about a couple of weeks of it, often within a week, they have a, a fever, and they're told it's okay by the doc. And of course, a fever, when a baby's head is hot and there's something hot inside its head, well, its brain is inside its head, you see, and when you get inflammation anywhere, you get death of tissue. That's standard again. But we're taught this is all quite normal. And some people along the way, some doctors and specialists have done their surveys and so on, and they found out, and I spoke about this back in 98 or 99 on the radio show when someone asked me about autism, and I mentioned, I says, you know, the viruses that they use for vaccines are not the normal viruses. They'll tell you it's for this or that, even the flu shot. These are generic viruses. They're altered. They're like a virus, like a flu virus, or like a measles or mumps, you see. And that's how they really are. And you can actually tell where these viruses come from. Because just like viral warfare, you can tell which lab made them. They have the little marker on it, literally. They're altered, and they can be identified. Well, some brave souls along the way, like I think it was Dr. Wakefield in the 90s, and I spoke about this a few days ago, a man who was vilified by his own profession, because they're all on the take from Big Pharma, especially the big journals, of course, that run, see, the medical establishment in Britain and elsewhere, they're all, the, most of their funding comes from Big Pharma. And Big Pharma puts a lot, a lot of dough into these companies. Pharma's got a lot to lose if they were to lose their clientele, where they tell governments, you know, we want everyone that's born to have these shots that we make. I mean, that's a great deal for anybody who's making something, isn't it? If everybody who's born had to wear a particular baby outfit made by this company, uh, there'd be a, an uproar about it. But here you are, seeing big business, telling them, oh yeah, we'll get the government to mandate by law, but it must get use our product, our injections. Well, anyway, uh, it's been found out. And Wakefield said this, he said, he said, uh, and this is before even he said this, I think, he said that in intestines of autistic children, they'd found particular viruses, and they call them enteroviruses. And that was part of the, of the findings. He wasn't the first to discover this, but he was the first to really bring this to the, to the limelights. And I said on one of the shows, I said, you know, uh, these viruses, according to your physiology, because we're all a little bit different, no one's going to get a blood test and it'll come up exactly the same as everybody else's blood test. It doesn't happen that way. We're all a little bit different with our genetic makeup. And um, sometimes the viruses, for instance, a virus will settle in the brain. They can go into the lungs. It can settle into uh, the intestines or elsewhere. And that will depend on your physiology. Well, they found these autistic children had this, this thing embedded basically in their 
their gut tissue. It didn't mean it was that's the only place it was, but it's certainly there. Well, recently again, I, a few days ago, I mentioned that um, uh, this latest study by more scientists had found that Wakefield was correct and that uh, they did have these lab viruses they found in the lining, basically, of the intestines of autistic children. And when you go through that, then you think, and remember I said it can go there or somewhere else or whatever, but here's an article out today, and it's from Reuters, and it says, two established published on Thursday provide evidence that common viruses may cause childhood diabetes, right? Paving the way for potential vaccines against the life-threatening condition. Interesting way, eh? Right away into the vaccines again. I'll read this because it's, it ties in with what I'm talking about, because it could very well be the cause, the vaccines themselves, of the diabetes. Back after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix talking about the connection between viruses, autism and now diabetes and as I say, people have come out in the past with their findings and different scientists who have been lambasted with uh, the various medical establishments who have too much to lose and uh, certainly pharma would not be happy if people just really look critically into all the jabs their children are getting but I'm tying it into the fact that autism and diabetes used to be pretty rare when I was young, believe me, very rare. And now it's very common. And something's happened in the meantime, and we've got to look at what's happened. Like any detective story, you say, well, what's changed? What's happened? Well, all the inoculations that came out, that's what's happened. That's a bit the biggest change, apart from the food and all the rest of it. But uh, young babies, for instance, are not on the adult food, for instance. But uh, you would tie all this in together and, and check it like a, a detective would would look at uh, uh, a murder case, basically, and see what happened up until then to find out what's happened. And it says here, and it's very carefully worded, this too, and it's almost slanted, this article. However, uh, it says here that this suggests a virus could trigger the disease in children genetically predisposed. Now, that's what they're telling folk now. It's been used in lawsuits if you, which have been very successful on autism, connecting it with the, the jabs, uh, especially the measles, mumps, and rubella uh, injection. And they always word it in the lawsuit as uh, genetically predisposed to the condition, which is nonsense. In other words, um, if you didn't get the jabs, you wouldn't have got autism. So you weren't disposed to, uh, the, to get the disease at all. The jabs caused the disease. They're saying your genetic makeup was different, a little bit different from the common Variety. That's what they're saying. And so, so you're genetically predisposed to the condition which affects an estimated 440,000 people worldwide, said Alan Fowlis of the Royal Infirmary in Glasgow, who worked on one of the studies. The story that's emerging is there's a virus infection that precedes the onset of autoimmunity, he told a news conference. Now, what, what virus infection could precede the onset of autoimmunity when your, your immune system kicks in when you're really young? What, what could it be? What's the only things that you're getting uh, to do with your immune system before your immune system kicks in? I wonder what it could be. Can you, can you guess out there? I'll leave it to you. This is a told a news conference. It, it is a thought that we are looking at the culprit. The type 1 diabetes is caused by the destruction of beta cells of the pancreas that produce the insulin necessary to regulate blood sugar levels. 
the autoimmune disease is different uh, from the far more common type 2 diabetes, which is strongly associated with obesity. Genetics plays a role in diabetics, diabetes, but uh, researchers know other factors such as diet are also important with viruses long suspected as a possible trigger. It could be the possible cause, couldn't it? Researchers said. Fowlers and colleagues examined 73 pancreas samples of young people who died from diabetes and found that 60% of the donated organs contained evidence of enteroviral infection of beta cells. By contrast, researchers hardly ever saw infected beta cells in tissue samples taken from 50 children without diabetes, they reported in the journal uh, Diabetologia. They also found a large proportion of these infected cells in adults with the more common type 2 diabetes, suggesting that viruses may also trigger this form of the disease in some people. It's a second study from Cambridge University researchers found that there are rare genetic mutations in a gene involved with the body's response to viruses uh, to reduce the risk of juvenile diabetes. And But what's interesting here, it says, um, it says they're looking into other types of viruses that might cause it, that might actually cause it. Now, I wonder if they'll dare, ever dare to go anywhere near uh, the one source that, that uh, these mutated viruses uh, come from, and that's the early vaccinations that they're getting. I wonder if they'll dare uh, go that far, or are they all too scared of losing their jobs, which, of course, is the latter is the case, and I'll bet you that's what will happen with this. But it's interesting news for those who suffer from these awful diseases. As I say, in a global management system, and I've read the articles too of what were they called the, the age of global management, and global managers are from the different uh, articles from foundations, uh, from the United Nations, etc., and big players in this world system. And um, we are definitely in, under the age of global management. Here we are, for instance, uh, we get a, a brought-on depression. It was contrived, obviously, um, just like 9/11 was definitely contrived. You couldn't kick, you couldn't have all these meetings to bring in a particular world order uh, with a with a timetable without actually the towers coming down on time. It wouldn't. Have, how else could you put in a, a martial law type system and uh, across the whole world, by the way? Uh, every country on board at the same time with the same laws, rules, regulations, and then bring in all the new technology to monitor everybody, give themselves the rights to do that, and actually getting the public to give up their rights in the meantime too. You couldn't have done it without that happening, and yet they wanted this system to steamroll ahead because this is the century of change. It was called the century of change for years before the year 2000 came along or 2001. By academia. This is when the whole planet was to go global, you see, a new kind of uh, governance. Again, that term kept, kept coming up, and we're in it today. And then when your banks go down too, they tell you, oh, well, you see, you're, you're now responsible for the whole world. Uh, we, uh, even if you're fairly okay and stable economically, you've got to bail out all the other countries. We're all in it together, they tell us, you see. And no one's been asked about this. There's no citizen of any country, I understand, been asked, is it okay if we use your cash to bail out other countries and give them cash gifts? Or any, or even give out cash and bail out banks in the first place? No one was asked. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about sort of global management, as it's now called, with a, a class of global managers, and that's what we have. We've got CEOs, basically, and captains of industries, etc., all working together as a new managerial class. They've been there for a long time, actually, and they've been telling government what to do, and, um, and government really is changing drastically. The biggest change you'll see, of course, is in what used to be called the different countries that consisted or comprised Europe. And they've all get ceded their sovereignty, and they're all basically little provinces of an empire, a European empire. Uh, and the European Union has even put out its own embassies across the world, instead of each country doing it themselves. Uh, they've taken over that part too. But academia has been played a big part in this, because remember I said at the start of the program, that part of this global society, this, this uh, post-democratic society, as the Club of Rome calls it, is that... Um, a lot of the work is farmed out, again, to professional, again, non-governmental organizations, sometimes called philanthropic organizations, big foundations with billions, sometimes trillions of dollars. And every year they, they give out a little report. And some of them are they're so secretive during the year, it's quite amazing. Here's one of them. And I've mentioned this group before that works for the European Union Parliament. And they actually call them the Wise Men, by the way. That's their, their name, uh, the Wise Men. I think there were 12 of them. And this just came out today, and it says, um, details emerge of the EU's Wise Men Group report, with a 9 of May deadline fast approaching for the EU's group of wise men to submit its report on the challenges facing Europe until 2030. Uh, Euroactive has gained an insight into the team's secretive work over the past 18 months. It goes on and on, but it doesn't really tell you anything. It just tells you that after an initial period of hesitation over how to communicate, uh, then Philippe Gonzalez, chair of the Wise Men Group, told his team that he'd chosen privacy, not secrecy, as a working method, insiders told Euroactive. You can tell they're lawyers, right? Because it is, it is called secrecy privacy. It's the same darn thing. And, and practice little information, if any, has emerged from the 50 meetings the group has held since its launch in October 2008. In the meantime, Gonzalez himself has made very few comments and rejected all interview requests. So the deadlines are going to approach, and maybe they'll come out and tell us some words of wisdom as to how the future is to go. But I wonder if they'll even have the usual stuff, which is a version for the public and a version, a version for the inner party, as George Orwell calls it, because we run that way. We have an inner party in everything. And that's, again, just the way it's been given to us. Now, nothing, as I say, I've said this before, nothing's made in uh, the countries anymore pretty well. Very few things actually made or manufactured. And I can remember the debates they had in in UK and elsewhere in Europe uh, before they became service economies about service economies. And what they said was, well, service economy just passes things around, which they generally import to begin with, whereas the manufacturing nations um, that produce the products always have the higher standards of living or income and so on, and they certainly have less unemployment. And they've moved everything to China thanks to the World Trade Organization, another uh, supranational organization, international organization that no one voted on, once again. It was set up just like the G20 is set up. 
And um, never mention, of course, when you go to voting for your local elections or your national... I, I call your national elections local elections now because that's really what they are, or little provinces or regions. So they're the ones manufacturing. And, and remember, too, after 9-11, you had all the flag-waving. Everyone was told to wave flags at all these parades and, and so on. And um, they're all made in China. It was astonishing. It was like one of the Canada days a few years back in Canada, and they found out that all the thousands of flags that they were giving out at Canada Day were all made in China as well. Well, it says here, China cashes in on the royal wedding in Britain. It's a bit trivia, really, but it says, it says that uh, they show you the, the, the Chinese women, of course, making these little these plates for, for uh, the commemoration plates, they call them. And it says, under bright lights, they're fixing ready-made designs into the plates by hand. It says, the lettering reads, to commemorate the royal wedding of HRH Prince William to Catherine Middleton, 29th of April, 2011. At one time, all that stuff was made back in their own country, too, uh, where the weddings were held. And um, But now everything's made in China. Everything's made in China, isn't it? Yeah, as I say, even, your, even your, your flags and so on, everything's made in China. And... The astonishing thing was, through the 90s, I was so surprised that very few folk even noticed that things were, had made in China stamped. Everything you started buying was made in China. And all your companies, even the brand names, were still made in China. But most shoppers never even noticed. It was astonishing to me. The transfer had gone on so smoothly and so easily, of the transfer of factories and jobs had gone so easily, they didn't even notice Never mind care. Do you understand that a population that's, is so dead and questions nothing doesn't have much of a chance in survival even? Because if you don't notice what's happening in your immediate surroundings, your, your immediate um, circumstances, what chance do you have on any level at all for survival? Even a, any wild animal on its rounds, if foxes do it here, uh, even rabbits do it on their runs, uh, if anything's different on that run, on that trail, that night, uh, they won't carry on. They'll go back and, and say, what's that tree doing down there? And, and they'll check it from a hundred angles before they cross it. We're too well understood. We've been too well conditioned, too well dumbed down. And we, we have been trained from birth that we are managed. And that's really the problem. That really is the problem. We've never had to take part in, in any big uh, decisions on any level, any really big decisions on any level at all. We've been omitted from the decision-making process altogether, in fact. And we've been trained subconsciously to leave it to those above to make all the big plans for us and make all the big decisions. Just let them do it. They're experts. And again, too, don't forget what Russell said and all the big guys in the think tank said years ago, Back in the 50s and 40s and 30s, they said that uh, they'd bring forth an army of experts until one day that a mother wouldn't even know how to change a diaper on her own child without, the, without consulting an expert. Well, that's all happened today. Well, I'll go back to the phones now. Now, there's Stephen from New York. Are you there, Stephen? Hello? 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 Yes. How you doing? Not too bad, yep. Hey, I, I, uh, one of your books, um, Cutting Through 1, 2, and 3, I watched a reality check 1 and 2 DVD. Um, it's frightening, but necessarily in my development. Um, the info was out there. It's, uh, really too late for me to go back to sleep, and I thank you for your works. Um, 
Just a quick question. I've been involved in listening to kind of esoteric music. I spent a lot of time on my stereo equipment getting it up, the high-end stuff. I listened to about, uh, you know, they, this music comes out at 100 copies at the max, sometimes 1,000 copies on vinyl. Mm-hmm. It's not available anywhere online for free. It's deep underground music, and I've just been critical of it as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an isolationist subculture. Yeah. Since you have a background in music, I was going to ask you about um, that, if you're familiar with it, the, the Norwegian black metal, the fascination with the trees yeah. and the forest. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts, thoughts on the rune symbolism, thoughts on the rune in general? What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, the, the old Norwegian wood stuff. Yeah, the Beatles wrote about it too. They just touched on it, mind you, but didn't go any, any depth at all. But uh, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and, and the, you know, there's some, some more music I've been getting into. Um, it's kind of like, uh, it's experimental, like uh, feedback noise, uh, power electronics. Uh-huh. And they have heavy, heavy use of Masonic symbolism, like like in your books, the checkerboard floor, mm-hmm. uh, pyramids all over the place, skulls, yeah. the number 33, I guess, from the 33-degree Mason. Um, I just wanted to get your, your idea of, is there some sort of like isolationist subculture that they're trying to kind of create some sort of um, leaders for the new world or something like that? I'm just kind of, kind of confused. Well, it started off that way. Uh, you, you find that most groups were taken over. Their managers were definitely always into the, into the various Masonic groups and so on, especially the OTO. Uh, that was the main one for oh, 60, 70 years was the, was the, the Order Templi Orientis. And that, 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 yeah, and that's why they gave, um, uh, so much credence to the founder of it, Alistair Crowley. And the Beatles put, put his face, of course, on one of their albums too. But everybody was into that stuff back then too. They were pushing all of that. But, um, unfor- today has gone to, to, to that, from that, to, to, the, to creating the advanced arm of the culture of change. And that's what it was for. It was to change society along a specific path. And again, once again, to bring in a new type of morality, which everyone else, the older folk thought was immorality. But it was to do that, it was to destroy all that was, all that was to bring in that which is new. And we're, we're there today with it all, with transgender singers and all the rest of it. Actually, I see this all as like a fascination with the boot stomping in the head. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, sort of like a bring back of, 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 if I can even call it Nazi symbolism and yeah. uh, pagan roots and stuff. And I had a question about that, too, because as I'm thinking about that, you know, I'm a tobacco smoker. I smoke cigarettes, and I live in New York, so I'm spending tons of money for tobacco cigarettes. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I think about Hitler's campaign against tobacco, yeah. and I, I thought about, like, it coinciding suddenly this anti-tobacco campaign with the aerosol spraying. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to know if there was any sort of correlation that you've come through Mm-hmm. Thinking about like the anti-tobacco campaign and also the sudden emergence of this this aerosol spring. Yeah, yeah, they did coincide. There's no doubt about it. We do know too. Uh, I don't know if you know that. If you go to the United Nations um, uh, World Health Organization site, they'll, they'll tell you that every country that signed on to the anti-tobacco and the ban the smoke, it's literally ban the smoking campaign. And and the president of the U.S. and, and the Prime Minister of Canada just signed the fifth annual agreement. Uh, to, to up the taxes again every year until it's impossible to purchase it. But I, I wondered about that because obviously it's, it's good business for them to let us die off and, and, and all the rest of it. 
Um, and since 1998, since it did steadily, steady spraying in the skies uh, and weather modification too, uh, thousands of folk have got problems with their lungs now. They just can't shake off the different infections that set in. Sometimes it doesn't appear an infection. It's more like an inflammation and it's, they come and go. And a lot of the elderly and the young, of course, are heavily affected by this. And this is definitely killing people off. Uh, this is understood. These guys at the top keep the stats on our health all the time. And they know what they're doing. They know what the fallout is. Even the guys who pretend they're just going to start uh, geoengineering when they get the right remedies for it, you know, uh, even they admit that um, what they, they intend to put into the air will cause problems and probably deaths as well. So the fact is they have been doing it. And I, I often wonder, this is, is it because uh, that uh, when you smoke, uh, that the alveolar in your lung tissue, there are like millions of little tiny hairs that waft the phlegm uh, up your throat, basically, which you swallow, um, it, it, gets, it gets tarred to an extent, and it traps uh, a lot of microorganisms from going through the, these, these tissue into the bloodstream. And so technically... Right, the metals and, and whatever else they spring. Right, I thought about that too. That's kind of what... I wanted to ask you any thoughts about that. Yeah. Well, some, some of these things have been discussed in warfare, um, memos, etc., to do with viral and chemical warfares that smokers... Right, because I noticed, I noticed smokers during, say, work, they're more aware. They're kind of more alert. And, you know, we have our smoke breaks or whatever, and we kind of mm-hmm. talk. about and, and things about, you know, what's going on today. And then you go... Well, you go back to work and it's football and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, all the, the celebrity of the day and stuff. So I, I kind of yeah. want, wondered about that. So Yeah, and, and I, do, I do wonder about that too because it's a big mystery as to why they're uh, – you think they'd be encouraging more and more folk to smoke, especially when they want the taxis too and they want you dying off. But, um, but it actually seems to be the other way around. There's a, a war on smoking, and they call it the United Nations World Health Organization, war, the war on smoking. And then they followed up with a war on obesity as well. Um, but uh, what you were mentioning too was interesting that um, Hitler was the first guy to put the ban on smoking. But Hitler also was a, veg- a vegetarian. And uh, I don't know how many people realize that in, in the old mystery religions, and re- even Benjamin Franklin became a vegetarian for that reason too when he joined the higher Masonic lodges. And he says that in his own diaries. Um, this is a tradition down through time with a particular group. So uh, it's quite fascinating to, to see that. Now, getting back to the music industry, um, once it started to catch on uh, that there was a lot of occultic uh, symbolism on the sleeves and within the music and so on, uh, the big guys who run the industry really caught on to it and started using it. And uh, the more occultic messaging they put in there, uh, the better it is for sales, they find. So it's getting used for both reasons now. Um, it's just like Lady Gaga, there's, some, there's sites galore up there on all the occultic stuff. Now, she doesn't sit and dream this stuff up. She's too dumb and stupid and raking in the cash to be thinking about that. So it's the guys that manage her that set her up in the Masonic temples uh, and put all the occultic mysticism around them. But again, it, it ties in with this back-to-nature society, the, the pantheism society. Uh, Gorbachev himself said, now that we've pretty well destroyed the, the basic religions, um, um, we will have to form a new kind of religion called of, of earth worship, he said, uh, based around earth worship. But that ties in with environmentalism. Right. Uh, so they, they kill us all off and they have their Garden of Eden, basically. 
That's basically it, and that's what they're going down to. But it's an ancient, of course, there's legends to do all this occultic stuff going back to to the groves, the ancient groves as well. Uh, Even in um, Jewish folklore, there's a lot of Jewish folklore surrounding uh, Judaism itself. It's like fairy tales. But um, they even mentioned that Moses' staff was placed in a grove at one point. If you look at the cathedrals in, in, in the Catholic churches, uh, what you're actually looking at with it, with, with, when you look up towards the ceiling, you're looking at uh, perfected trees all branching together and, and melding together in the perfected grove done by the stonemasons. And people, people go in there all the time and don't even notice that's what it's actually representing. So there's been a, a yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, th- thanks for calling. But it's been amazing. Um, Ancient sort of uh, mystic religion all down through the ages. They also call it the the perennial religion because it keeps cropping up uh, every so often down through time with the same thing of reincarnation, um, Mother Earth, etc. Quite quite fascinating to go into. But uh, as I say too, occultism now is just like uh, any other business, especially the music business. It gets sold as a, as a selling point. Although the bigger stars definitely will get into the higher orders, there's no doubt about that. And we'll go to Luke in Vermont. Hey there, Luke. Hello? Uh, yeah, speaking on the music industry, I was wondering uh, what what you would, uh, what your opinion is on uh, people who claim to be socialists who are uh, speaking out against the New World Order. Well, uh, it would de- I'm it would de- not sure what to make of that. It's, I, I mm-hmm. it's quite easy. It's socialism. simple, really. Socialism used to be basically concerned with what they thought was left-wing. And, of course, they were misinformed at the bottom. And I'll explain that when I get back from this break. Folks, we're back and cutting through the matrix and talking to Luke from from Mont, who's talking about socialism. You understand when when an army has to be created, an army of people to push towards something. Those who formed it are always up high up in academia. Uh, they're not from the working classes, for instance. However, uh, they need the working class uh, movements to to help them along in their way. So they always give them a different story at the bottom of what socialism is which is the, the taxes, you can, if you pay taxes at all, then the money should come back to the people, which sounds all very fair, you know. But, uh, and that's what they've been pushing for for years. However, the higher level of socialists believe in scientific socialism, which is a planned society. And part of the, the answer to unemployment is, 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 is they look at the problem and say, well, there's just too many people to be employed, so we'll, we'll get rid of too many people and prevent the births. And George Bernard Shaw who was a founder of scientific socialism for the Fabian Society, along with H.G. Wells, gave out that kind of information on the higher level to his own class, while, as I say, down in the working class level, they literally thought they were taught that it was going to benefit the people. And unfortunately today it hasn't changed. There's two levels, two understandings of it. 
um, for the working class as opposed to the academic class higher up. To the academic class is a form of controlling the population, the planned society, and, and all of And of course, along with that, in this wonderful utopia, they also see themselves as living far higher up on the tree than you will be at the bottom, because after all, they're important people. And that's what George Orwell was trying to tell us in 1984 when he said that some people are more equal than others in such utopias. We see it here today even uh, with the salaries they give them in the different parties and all that kind of stuff as opposed to the ordinary people. So it's a con game. Uh, The whole idea of politics as we've been presented with it is the dialectic. It's it's the right wing or the left wing. And you, you ping pong from one to the other throughout your life. That's what they want you to do without ever figuring out the game. But they all work together on the same path. You'll always get to the planned society at the end, and that's really how it works. Now, we'll go to Mark from Boston. Uh, are you there, Mark? Alan, hi. Yes, it's uh, good to talk to you, man. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, circle back really quickly, if you could, in the minutes that you have left. If you could talk about... Um, you know, our dependence on experts that you mentioned. We don't, you know, every day it seems another study gets published that contradicts the study from the day before yeah. uh, that tells us we should be, uh, you know, that, that women should breastfeed their children or they shouldn't breastfeed their children mm-hmm. or that they should be vaccinated or not, mm-hmm. um, that organic foods are better uh, or um, they're, they're, you know, nutritionally equivalent to non-organic foods. Mm-hmm. And I'm a science journalist, you know, yeah. and um, I, I find it very vexing that studies get published so reflexively by reporters who have no understanding. You know, we are completely dependent on scientists. Presuming that, well, that's, 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 that's hitting the nail on the head. That, that's the key, and that was the whole point as... Um, as Russell said, we should create a society that is dependent on scientists for everything that they have to do. Uh, it's training the public that they cannot think for themselves, they can't trust themselves, and, and they have no authority, uh, never mind expertise, in judging anything. That's part of the whole technique, so you're quite right. And again, you get this uh, big media hype, and so many grants getting thrown out there for groups to publish their findings. Uh, red wine uh, is good for you, red wine is bad for you, I've heard that a thousand times. It's the same con games, but it's training everyone that they can't trust themselves. So you're quite right. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.